Hello, and thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church of DeRitter, Louisiana, recorded at our 10 o'clock service on Sunday, December 3rd, 2017. Our text for the day is from Mark's Gospel, the 13th chapter, starting at verse 24. But in those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Be aware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockrow, or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. The first Sunday of Advent always excites me because we're getting into a new year. We get to turn the page. We get to start over, and we get to watch and wait once again for the celebration of Christ. This year I'm very excited about our Advent worship series. Very simple question, why? Why this? We light the four candles of Advent, wreath, hope, peace, joy, love. Why? Why hope? Why peace? Why joy? Why love? And then on Christmas Eve, which is Sunday the 24th in the evening, Christmas Eve, We'll get into the why him discussion. And this series has had its roots and conversations I've had throughout the years and some specific ones I've had this year and the idea of why. Does any of this really matter? Does Christ really matter? Does faith really matter? I want to ask you a question. And I'm sorry we're not getting off on a ha-ha kind of day, but... I want to invite you for to think about this question. And I want you to raise your hand, but not till I'm done with the entire question. How many of you, or someone you know, how many of you, or someone you know, has a general feeling of despair or hopelessness? How many people, how many of you know? or are at that place where you know someone who is just down. Raise your hand. I'm going to do a little survey. How many of you know these kind of people that are just kind of down? It's something that is pervading so much of our society. Because I think if we thought about it long enough and hard enough, there's not a one of us in this room that wouldn't affirm that in one way or the other. And our hopelessness can come from many different avenues. It can come from broken promises. It could come from a failed relationship. It could come from the shattering of a dream. It could come from an illness. 
It can come from general anxiety about all the doomsday stuff that seems to be in the news so much, where everything is a crisis, everything is a kerfuffle, and everything is the most important thing, and our democracy and our world is going to be lost if we don't address this here and now. There's a reason why you can make the case we are the United States of Xanax. Because even in the professions where you would think it may not be, anxiety is so high and hope is so low. And here we are this morning. We did a beautiful job with the lighting of our candle of hope. We come in, we talk about the handle, uh, the, the hope of Jesus. And yet we immerse ourselves in this message. And yet circumstances don't seem to change. And it can be easy to ask ourselves, why hope? Why hope? Because wherever, everywhere we turn, no matter what we do, it just doesn't seem to work. And I think on this first Sunday of Advent, as we look at these words from Mark's Gospel, it's a good chance for us to examine once again what hope is all about and what Jesus has to do with it. I love the fact that Advent marks the beginning of the new year because with the new year, in many ways, comes hope. Sometimes it's hopeful expectation of what is to come, and sometimes it's the hope of saying, thank God last year is done, now we get a chance to start over this year. But no matter what, we can take advantage of this time to look at different directions. And to look at Advent in its proper context, I need to invite you to do something that's impossible. I need to invite you to go to a mindset where Jesus Christ is not here. I need you to go back to a mindset to where Jesus isn't here. He's just the promise of some far-off Messiah. Just this, you're dealing with an oppressed people who have been beaten and abused and marginalized and killed and tortured and crusaded against and just had all sorts of, for lack of a better term, hell put upon them. And every generation, they're told by the one that went before them, we have a promise from God of hope. We have a promise from God that our Deliverer is coming. We have a promise from God that things are going to get better. We have a promise from God that one day one is going to come and He's going to restore us to our proper perspective in the world and everything is going to be just fine. They were told that story for at least 500 years, if not longer depending on how you want to argue with the text. How many of us get tired of hoping for something when it doesn't appear either immediately or within our timetable? How many of us lose the idea of hope because we kept waiting for something that didn't come? Part of the reason why we celebrate hope today is to remind us all that God does not work on human timetables. God does not work the way that we think God should work. God works in ways we cannot imagine and in timetables we cannot fathom. And if you look at this, Mark is talking, you know, Jesus is talking in Mark's Gospel, and he says, In those days after that suffering, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give out its light, 
and the stars will be falling from the heavens, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. First thing we got to remember is that hope sustains us in the darkest of hours. And that time where it looks like things are falling apart, where it looks like our life is nothing but a big mess, where it seems like nothing is going right, where it seems like we just, you know, in our darkest days, it's when we need hope the most. We need the hope that comes from something bigger. It can be easy to be a Christian. It can be easy to be a person of faith when everything's going just fine. But it's in our darkest days and our darkest hours when hope needs to flourish. After all, last year, the Chicago Cubs finally won a World Series. In 2009, the Houdats finally got lucky and won a Super Bowl. I use those illustrations to point out the absurd. Those aren't the true stories of hope. The true stories of hope are found in the symbolism of this light, and it comes in our darkest days. And the question we must ask ourselves is, instead of asking why bother with hope when we feel hopeless, Maybe the question you and I need to be asking is not about hopelessness, but maybe the question we need to ask is about in what or in whom do we have hope. Hold on to that for a minute as we roll through a few more things here. Then they will see, he says, the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds from the ends of the heaven, from the earth to the ends of heaven. Hope promise, points us to the promise of something better. Jesus is setting up the fact that when our days are darkest and our situation the bleakest, hope points us to a better future. But the question we better be asking ourselves is where is our hope placed? In whom or in what? is our hope placed. He goes on, and he talks about, from the fig tree learned its lesson, as soon as the branch put on, put, becomes tender and puts forth its leaves. So too, when you see these things taking place, you will know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away till all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Third thing we better see is that hope is a spiritual matter. Hope is a spiritual matter. Hope is nothing more than a measure of the faith in our hearts. And I think what frustrates us and what makes us so paralyzed by the disillusionment and disappointment of hope is we place our hope in the wrong things in the wrong places. We place our hope in people. And yet there's not a one of us who hasn't been let down by someone, and there's not a one of us who hasn't let someone down at one point or another. There's not a one of us who has not unintentionally 
caused great harm physically and mentally, emotionally, spiritually to another, despite our best intentions. There's no amount of money that can bring you eternal hope because the money's going to disappear. The people are going to disappear. The situations are going to disappear. All the temporal things that you and I allow ourselves to get wrapped up in do not matter as much as the promise of Christ coming again in glory. And we can say, well, you know, I don't know about this, that, and the other. But remember what I told you at the beginning. We have to put ourselves in a position of being people who have not yet met Jesus, who have just been given a promise. Which leads us to our fourth point. But about that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work and his commands, the doorkeeper to be on watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight or at the cockrow or at dawn or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. The very last thing we, better, we see in this passage is that hope is centered on God and nothing else. Hope is centered on God and nothing else. A lot of times we allow ourselves to get paralyzed because Things don't work out the way we want them to do, and people don't get what we think they should get, and we don't find our status where we think it should be. We, we allow ourselves to get so angry, we allow ourselves to get so bitter, we allow ourselves to get so paralyzed spiritually without realizing the message of hope that comes in Christ. You notice he says, keep awake. And keeping awake means keeping hope. Because it is only when we embody the hope of the faith that we can be sustained for the journey. And it is the hope of the faith that allows us to be gracious to ourselves and to others when things don't go the way we should and we experience that pain or we give that pain to others. I don't think there's any of us in the room, any of us, who would intentionally want to hurt someone else. And I know there's no one who would want to be hurt by someone else. And yet, go back and look at what all God's people went through on the way waiting for Jesus. Look at the generations that went before. Heck, you think your family tree is interesting? Go read the names of the first 17 verses of Matthew. Your family's got nothing on Jesus. And yet out of that came hope because God delivered on His promise. The question about where our hope is placed is essential. If our hope is placed in the temporal, and when I say temporal, I mean anything of this earth, and I'm talking people, and I'm talking money, and I'm talking power, and I'm talking prestige, and I'm talking influence, and I'm talking all those things that we use to measure, whether, measure one another. If we're allowing our hope to diminish or if we're allowing our hope to be increased because of our belief in any of those, i got news for you, you're doomed for failure because all that's going to be pushed aside. 
All of it is going to be pushed aside. And Advent, this first Sunday of Advent, we are reminded to be people of hope because the God who took so long to fulfill His promise fulfill, will fulfill every promise He's ever made. And we are promised that even though we don't know the day or the hour when Christ is coming, we worship a God who keeps His promise. That is why we hope. Because as we read in the Gospels and as we read throughout the New Testament, the overwhelming joy that came when we saw the, the fruit of that hope makes all the rest of the waiting seem like nothing. That's why we put our hope in God. It's because we know we're worshiping one who fulfills His promise, who never lets His people down, and we are worshiping a God who tells us over and over and over again, stay awake, be ready. Let's hold on to the hope that is incarnate in Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank you for listening to this podcast of First United Methodist Church of DeRitter, Louisiana. You may find out more about us at fumcderitter.org.